The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living, the program that brings you practical and inspiring principles for living more authentic, engaging, and passionate lives. Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guests, and callers. And now, here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and we are back right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. And I have a very fascinating guest. We are actually going to be talking about, well, we're talking to a historian, a radio TV host, an author, and a global thought leader, Dr. Alvin Augustus Jones of DrAlvin.com, where world leaders and thinkers come to chat on his radio network. He owns the Paradise Radio Network, WCBQ AM 1340, WHNC AM 890 in Greater Raleigh, North Carolina, internet portal DrAlvin.com. He's worked for ABC, NBC, UPN, Clear Channel, and other major media entities. He's been trained by America's notable universities like Harvard, UCLA, Tufts, Stanford, Cornell, and American universities, and the world's best thought leaders, and is an award-winning producer, journalist, and speaker. Dr. Alvin Augustus-Jones has traveled throughout America, Europe, and Africa sharing his findings. He's, he has authored Dr. Alvin's books of Ponderations, Wealth Shift, and Royalty Without a Future. Wow. Welcome. Welcome, Alvin. Well, thank you so very much, Patricia. Appreciate a chance to share with your audience today. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that you say right out of the box is that black men are behaving badly. These are your words. Do you want to explain that? And why? Well, unfortunately, you know, there have been a lot of incidents in the public eye recently, whether it's related to Ferguson, New York, you can pretty much name a city, where you see the conduct of uh, African-American men, in particular at risk, is bad. And a lot of persons have been dealing with the confrontations, perhaps, that has been with the police. And so what I want to begin to do is talk about perhaps what can we do so that there won't be the confrontation with the police and what is really going on. And so we want to be able to have a practical, thought-provoking conversation about what perhaps could be going on and how can we help in a positive way. Mm. Where do you start? I mean, this is, this is a systemic problem. This, you know, starts with the family, correct? Yes, it starts with the family, and it starts with, um, you know, something that was intended to mean very, very well, which was integration, uh, has not worked well in some aspects in the sense that you cannot free a group of people without maintaining certain structures within that culture that worked as they expand to be part of another. Um, there's a great book I was talking to a, a gentleman the other day from NPR concerning a book called Prayer for the Living, which deals with the concept of whenever a culture tries to expand to another culture, sometimes their faith, sometimes their foundations is lost as they try to expand into a new culture. And one of the things that has been 
greatly missed and greatly lost is the aspect of family in African-American culture that seems to be almost non-existent as a way it was structured prior to integration that really helped the community. Mm. Yeah, I think, so where's the hope here, Alvin? You know, what, what can we do? We know what's wrong. I mean, we can talk about all the cases, but what are a couple of things that we can do right now? And that we well, are doing. Sure. Well, there's one thing is to encourage the structure of a family. You know, right now while I'm looking at you and talking to you right now, I'm looking at a picture of my grandfather and a set of uncles and a set of aunts, and there was a community. There was a structure. We need to talk about that. But today I just want to talk about one aspect, which is an economic solution, is that everyone in the situation that we've been noticing in the headlines, there was a lack of financial stability and some form of potential crime or alleged crime that caused them to be in confrontation with the police. And so we need to begin to say, do these young individuals have a plan for them to take care of their families that does not involve crime? And unfortunately, mm-hmm. it does not. Mm-hmm. All right. So what is, what's the plan? Well, we put together a plan that we want to call the royalty plan. And uh, the, the different acronyms, starting with the word R, deals with the concept of redemption. Unfortunately, um, a majority of African-American youth, about 70%, are involved in the penal system in some form. Uh, that is very, very grave and very, very bad. You cannot well, have and they get to- worse, don't they, Alvin? They go in, and then they, they don't get rehabilitated. They just get worse afterwards. Uh, yes, because we as a society, which you know, is, is a question I'm wondering about as a society, when somebody does something wrong and people do bad things, no matter what their culture is, we incarcerate. Uh, to be yep. the largest democratic uh, society, we just believe that to solve the problem is to lock them up and throw away the key. And now we have privatized it to the point where we're saying $36,000 a year is going to go toward these individuals, and they began to plan how many based upon their grades that they do in elementary school. And I'm saying is, okay, while we're doing that, we're planning for them to fail. Uh, W.E.B. Du Bois says you cannot look at the African-American population or any population as the problem. And that's what we're saying. Their problem, we're going to house them. So if a person is involved in the penal system and they come out, where do they go? I have young men in my community right now who made a mistake. They did something wrong. They're not denying that. But they're trying to get back into society. But right. because they have a criminal background record, who yeah. is going to hire them? Yeah. And we've yeah. got to provide some type of redemption because in times past, we had people like Mr. Gamble. Who was Mr. Gamble? It was the African-American-owned cleaners. And when we had a wayward young man, we sent him to him, or we sent him to some of our friends in North Carolina, South Carolina, who was mm-hmm. able to give them the discipline, yeah. but also yeah. money in the their love. pocket, and right. money in their pocket to help them out. And this doesn't right. happen. But today. also, also the caring and the love. I think that's part of it. You know, it might be tough love, but still, they know they're being cared for in that some is way. True. And that is right. true. But and also, right. you can't say to somebody do right, and yet still they can sell weed or do something that society is deemed illegal and make more money, and then they're saying, well, you know, give me an option, give me a better option, and they don't have any options. So right now, we have a lot of young individuals who are selling marijuana, and I'm really concerned right now, as America goes toward medical marijuana, then eventually recreational marijuana, what's going to happen to these youth who are selling marijuana right now when they don't Mm -hmm. even have that opportunity any longer? It's going Mm -hmm. to be trouble in our streets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's move on to the second one, which is ownership. The Entrepreneur Society. We need to create a situation of ownership. As I mentioned, prior to integration, 
they were African-American-owned businesses. And many times it was forced to because we couldn't buy goods and services from anyone else in the community. Mm. So we had yeah. to be self-reliant. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my father, my grandfather, Henry Jones, owned 90-something acres of land. And so he employed people. Uh, right now, even though there are more African-American-owned businesses in number, most of them are sole proprietorship. Yeah. Every economy is determined by how much, or every coach is determined by its economic value. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and so what happens is when you don't have people in your community, whatever it is, whether you're uh, African-American, whether you, you, you're Asian, whether you're Italian, gay community, whatever, there's an economic value. People don't like to talk about it, but a lot of times changes are made because of dollars. Right now in Indiana, uh, there's a legislation concerning gay rights. And what's happening right now, it's being challenged because people say we're going to pull our dollars. So people are, re- will respond to anybody's culture or segment if they know there is an economic value. Right mm-hmm. now in the African-American community, what does it mean to be African-American? What do they make? What do they manufacture? And do they employ and hire their own? And that is not the case. So they're depending upon other cultures mm-hmm. to support them, and that mm-hmm. is not healthy. We need to create an ownership society where we can go to the African-American community and get this product, this mm-hmm. good, or this service. Do you think that's changing at all, Alvin? I mean, it's look, got, we, have a black, we have a black president. I mean, you make, know, okay, really. Okay, he's a brilliant man, but he is more Harvard than he is African-American. Um. Um, and see, that's the challenge that I have many times when we discuss these things is the fact is that there was a thought. See, when I grew up, African-American was not skin color. It was a system of thought, a system of business. Uh, we snitched on each other. This generation doesn't believe in snitching each other. There were mores. There was the burden of the black man in the sense of that I felt obligated to make sure that whatever I did affected my community. So I was very responsible. We need to say what thought. So it got to be beyond just a person's color. President Barack Obama is more Harvard in nature, more a professor than he is African-American in the sense of that kind of connotation. So, yes, he is an image, but he doesn't hire people. He's a politician. And, um, you know, so he doesn't employ people. So we need to show individuals like Chenault, who owns or who runs American Express, the former uh, CEO of McDonald's is African-American, Olive Garden. We need to bring entrepreneurs to the table to show them who hire thousands of people that they can also hire thousands of African-Americans as well. Yeah, well said. All right, now your, your why, and this is the royalty plan, your why is youthful exuberance, play and hope. Talk about that. If you look at a lot of these young individuals, there is a sense of hopelessness. They're like hotel with a vacant sign. Um, they don't see any future. Most of them are very pri- surprised if they become 21 years or older because they do not feel and see themselves living a long life. And we have to begin to instill play. When I was growing up, we played outside several times a day. There was hope. There was imagination. Think about this right now. No one has ever asked the question. Except for hip-hop, after integration, what major innovation was created by African-American youth of today? I don't know. Um, I don't know. And that's, that's very important because prior to integration and even in the midst of slavery, there were major innovations, major accomplishments, major 
scientific things that were created prior to integration. And right now, this is the, the first generation of African Americans over a 40-year period of time that have not contributed something substantial to some type of innovation and some type of invention. That is sad because they don't have play. And anybody who teaches and understands the concept of innovation understands you must have play and hope. This generation has lost their hope, and it's unfortunate. Well, and I think that's what you're trying to do, isn't it, with your programs and and uh, the things that you're doing. I mean, you're trying to help make a difference here. Right, and then be very practical about the situation in terms of saying, you know, if we don't address the fact that 7% of this youth don't have opportunities, for example, here in Washington, D.C., uh, he was known as the crack mayor, and he, that was true. He doesn't deny the fact he had a crack problem. But Marion Barry did one thing that he was known for, and that was the reason why there was one week celebration of his life. He created a program called Pride, and he made sure that every youth in the city, no matter who you are, if you could not find a job, he employed them. Right now, for your example, here in Prince George's County, the chief executive, he went to Pride program. He says, if I hadn't gone to that program, I wouldn't be the executive of this county. I went through Pride. And, we, and there are many, many persons who now are contributing first to society because there was a program done by the government to employ at-risk African-American youth, kept them off the street, mentored them, and now they're contributing to this generation. And we're saying is, where are those kind of programs? If they exist, let's do it on a national basis, and let's create an economic solution to these problems. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about some other parts of your royalty plan. Um, One is compensation, financial leadership, and resilience. So you are listening to Patricia Raskin, Positive Living, right here on Voice America, America's Voice. My guest is Dr. Alvin Augustus-Jones. He's a successful entrepreneur. He owns the Paradise Radio Network uh, in greater Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, we're talking today about... You know, how can we help young black youth uh, create opportunities and explain how we can work in a very positive way so that if black men are behaving badly, we can change that. And we're talking about change. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Tune in Tuesdays and join the credit master and consumer advocate, Mr. D, a.k.a. Bruce J. Danielson, and learn the whole truth about credit risk scoring, collectors, both kinds, credit bureaus, credit cards, tax liens, mortgages, and much more. Find out how to use accountability combat to protect yourself from becoming a victim and to fight back against corporate abusers, such as banksters who have taken unfair advantage of most of us. The Consumer Fightback Show educates consumers on how to find relief within today's onerous credit system. See you Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein. 
You'll learn about forensics, ancient civilizations, and human origins. Listen to Dr. Schuldenrein and colleagues discuss their excavations and related archaeological topics, ranging from the unique to the sublime, and yes, even the mundane. Indiana Jones, Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology, live Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Hello, everyone. We are back, and we are talking to Dr. Alvin Augustus-Jones, and he is a radio TV host, author, historian, and global thought leader, and uh, his network is where leaders and thinkers come to chat. He's a successful entrepreneur and owns the Paradise Radio Network and has been on many stations and has worked with many stations and is really um, trying to make changes in our culture particularly with black youth. Welcome back, Alvin. Well, thank you so very much. It's an honor to be a part of your program. And I appreciate the fact that we're sharing solutions, which is what our goal is, is to provide answers to a situation. And I want to say thank you for what you and your family is doing. Oh, well, thank you. All right, so you have something called the Royalty Program, which is R-O-Y-A-L-T-Y. We've talked about the R, which was Redemption and Criminal. Ownership and Entrepreneurial Society is the O. Y is We Need More Play and Hope for Youthful Exuberance. The A is Athletic, a Compensation. And I think that's where so many black youth really shine, don't you? I mean, I'm not stereotyping, but there are a lot of incredible athletes Sure, and it's not. And it's not. I mean, it's 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 not stereotyping. I mean, it's the reality. But the oh, sad amazing. part about it is the fact is that they don't receive any compensation for it. Um, they're not there at the school for education. And any person who says that has never played sport at the highest level. Let's be truthful to these young men and women and be able to deal with them. They're not at the school because of an education. They're there to provide an economic-based income for the school. Not only do the school receive money from the association, from advertisers, from TV networks, from beer companies, their donors base a lot of their decision whether they're going to donate money to that school based upon the economic. If they were there for their academic, they wouldn't care whether or not they win or lose. They wouldn't be paying coaches up to $7 million a year for them to coach it. It wouldn't be the farm club of the NBA or the NFL, but it is. And so let's say, for example, I am a youth, and I'm trying to do the right thing. And I am doing the right thing. I've devoted 12 to 15 years of my life to a craft. I work more than 40 hours a week on that particular craft. And I can't even get food. I can't even bring my family to the game. I can't take a gift that was given to me and get compensated, but yet and still, the school is building domes, paying their coaches. And so that's the dichotomy of those of us who are in leadership. We're exploiting these young men, and, it, and it's sad to see it happen on a daily basis. 
We're going to celebrate March Madness. And it's unfortunate these young men do not make any money, and if they get injured, they get hurt. Or if they cannot perform on the level, that scholarship is not there for four years. It's only there if they perform. And so we need to say to them, compensate them in some form so that because most of these young people will never, ever make it to the big leagues, to the NFL or the NBA, mm-hmm. and they should receive something for what they do. I'm not saying what, but just stop exploiting mm-hmm. them. And, and don't, don't you also feel, I mean, I would think, too, that the ones who do make it to the NBA and the NFL, that, you know, and, and do have the means and do make the millions, you know, they can make a difference, and that's where the money can be very positive, because they can create schools and create businesses for people. So, I, I mean, there's, there's that upside. Yeah, but we're talking, let's say, eight to 12,000 of these youth per year participate in the sport. Let's say only 10 or 20 may make it to the next level. So yeah. what happens to those 11,900 yeah. persons? They're back in the community doing nothing, making no difference in the community. Now, thank mm-hmm. God for companies like Enterprise who hire a lot of these individuals. But I'm saying is, that's what we got to begin to say is, Let's look at the 11,000, not the 10 that make it. And then we find out the 10 that make it end up, you know, getting injured, end up, uh, you know, uh, with trouble. So a lot of them have not become role models once they become the pro. So we can't depend upon them. Let's look at the 11,000. And why can't they have equal rights like other students? I was a journalism student. I can work and do other things. If they truly are there for academic, let them make income some other way. And why can't they play more than four years, five years? They should be able to play until they're 80 or 90 years of age if we're going to treat them fair. And this country exploits these African-American men and women. And it's a disgrace, and, it's, and it saddens me. Because now if I'm a youth, I'm doing the right thing, I have no options. Mm. I'm doing the so right we need thing. To be, we need to be compensating them better and offering them more, is what something. you're saying. Yeah, because yeah, a majority of them do that. And I'm saying is, why can't they have the same equal rights as another student? Because if, if they were there for their academic, then winning and losing would not be important. Mm-hmm. Charging admission to these mm-hmm. things is not important. Right. Getting these major contracts with ESPN and the TV networks would not be important. They would be there for their education. So, John, if you don't win, it doesn't matter. You got your education. That's not the case. They have an economic relationship, and in this society in America, people are compensated even with a minimum wage for their economic contribution to a society. And this is so grievous, and and, and it's so unfortunate. And so if I'm a youth, so beginning, because a part of what we do is say, what ways in which these at-risk youth make their money? Some of them make it through crime. Some of them make it through chance, which is the lottery. Okay, Mm -hmm. you'll you'll hear on an African-American program stations of, financial investment firms, stock programs. All you hear is about bad debt. So we're creating through various things of not compensating them with their athletics. We have lottery, then we have crime, and then we have all this gangster stuff. Where are these kids seeing an alternative of something positive? And we as those who are responsible adults who have means are not giving them any kind of positive options. So where's the hope there, Alvin? We're coming, almost coming to a close. We've got a few minutes left, and I want to cover some others. But where's, where, what's, the, you know, what's the solution to that? We've got to create financial literacy. We've got to also teach them about leadership training. And then more importantly, this unfortunately is a generation that has allowed racism to appease them. Mm. Racism is a part of American fiber. You can't change it. But when I was a kid, I was taught how to deal with it and not let it bother me. 
It's no big deal if you talk to my generation. We all were confronted with the police, but we were taught how to deal with that situation because one reason, if you look at the generation, most of my generation is over the age of 65. We still speak to each other. Do you know why we say hello to each other? Because we knew that perhaps last night you might, may not have made it home. So we constantly, mm-hmm. when we see each other's street, we say hello because we learn that racism does exist, but it's not an impediment to success here in America. Well, you took care of each other more then, is what you're saying. That's what I'm hearing. We it was more of a support system. It was a support system, and then we talked to each other about, I don't have time right now, but I can tell you different examples of where I was arrested. But we didn't let that bother us because we were taught how not to escalate it. We downplayed it so we can come home the next day. All right. So what's your message? We've got two minutes left. What would you like to leave people with today? Let's really have a hard look at what's really going on. And a lot of it has to do with family and economics. I just dealt with the economic component. And let's provide a practical solution that's really going to get wealth, collective wealth for this group of people and also that's going to be long-term, that's going to make a positive contribution. We're attempting to do it with immigration. When another nation has a problem, we're in all these foreign countries. Let's look at 12% of our population that is hurting right now, and let's try to provide an economic solution that's going to make a long-term difference in their lives. Mm, thank you so much for being on the program, Alvin. Really, how can people find you and get in touch with you? They can get in contact with us at dralvin.com, and they can go to dralvin.com on Facebook and Dr. Alvin Jones on um, Twitter. And what we do is we provide thousands of interviews with all type of persons, and we provide an educational form for people to learn various ways for them to become their highest and best self, no matter what their race, background, creed, or color is. We provide answers at dralvin.com. Right, and on your radio shows, too. Yes, and that's uh, all that information is on DrAlvin.com. Thanks so much for being on the program. It was inspiring. Thank you. Thank you for opening your world to us. Thank you. All right, stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that closes out this session of Patricia Raskin Positive Living. Log on to PatriciaRaskin.com. I have other radio shows and do other things, and I'd love you to see that. So take a look at that. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Patricia Raskin's Positive Living. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.